Hi, and welcome everyone to the 102nd episode of CM Rocks. This is Marcus Allanson, and today's podcast will be about customer insights. And with me today, I have Julian Sharp from Ready365. Julian is a specialist and trainer in Dynamics 365, Power Platform, and Azure Solution. He focuses on creating solutions for the businesses making use of Microsoft Dynamics 365, Power Apps, and Power Automate. Azure and supporting technologies. Julian has long had an interest in using AI to enhance customer experience using cognitive services, bot framework, and Azure machine learning. Customer insights bring all of this together. Welcome, Julian Sharp. Thank you, Marcus. How are you doing today? Uh, not bad. I've had a nice day trading Dynamics Marketing today. Oh, lovely. So, as a specialist and trainer, what is it that you do? Well, mainly it's training people in Dynamics and Power Platform and related solutions. Either um, the standard Microsoft courses. So this week I'm training Dynamics Marketing to an organization. In fact, a worldwide organization that's adopting Dynamics Marketing. So I've got about 10 of their people training them on the capabilities of Dynamics Marketing. And I also do quite a lot of how to get started with different bits of the Power Platform, Power Apps, Power Automate. Uh, how to start developing, but then I often go to more advanced courses as well. We're customers all the time. What's your last memorable customer experience as a customer? Oh, as a customer, um, it's been interesting because I've been stuck at home, so I haven't really had much customer experience apart from through the web. Um, I think what was interesting, I had a problem uh, being unable to put a voucher through a website, and typically I'm busy all the day, so. I went on to their website to raise an issue because I was doing it at 11 o'clock at night and they had no support. They're only open nine till four. Yeah. And they had, they had a web chat, but it wasn't open. Uh, so we bounced emails and I told them I could only talk after a certain time, but again, they tried to call me in the middle of the day. Um, then sent me emails, asked them to call them back, but of course they were closed when I called back. So it wasn't, it was memorable in a very bad way. And I've actually not had that in a long time. And when we've got technologies that allow you to, like Power Virtual Agents, create bots that can support people out of hours, yeah, I think it's really poor nowadays. Not, and this is this is a consumer high volume. I mean, they must be selling millions of uh, euros or pounds worth of commodities every year. It's not a small operation, and I think it's just I was just quite disappointed by it because normally their customer service is excellent when you speak to them. Yeah, it is, and it's quite confusing that they're not able to collect information when they're not open of, of course not solve them but at least collect the information that they need to be able yeah. to solve your project problem that can be a bit frustrating yeah it was a frustration and i'll tell you another one i was actually hunting rags i was teaching uh, i've been teaching a lot about automation and robotic program automation right now with a de desktop power automate desktop and I was trying to explain to somebody about automation. I was trying to find, and I found a really good bot. Uh, it was a, for the Seattle Blooming Company. They've got an absolutely brilliant bot where you can go find out. It tells you all about the uh, trips that they undertake. It's like videos. The bot works really well because doing bots that can help you understand what you want to get a really good conversation going is actually really hard to do. And they've really got it spot on. Uh, so often I'm using them now as a... Uh, here's what you this is how you should do it oh that's nice that's nice so if we look at customer insights i think it's changed a couple of times what is it today 
I, I think there's been a bit of a confusion because Microsoft likes to brand the word insights onto every single product. We've got sales insights, customer service insights, marketing insights, product insights. Uh, and so it gets very confusing as, as to what all these products are, especially since we have marketing insights, which really didn't take off and they've got rid of now. That no longer exists. Customer insights uh, is actually made up of two separate products, audience insights and engagement insights, just to confuse it even more. <laughs> yeah, of course. Of course. So what would you say are these two parts then if we look at into each of them today? Okay, so... Customer Insights is part of the Microsoft Customer Data Platform. Okay, The idea behind Customer Insights is to gather all your data into one place to create a single view of your customer, to bring data from multiple different sources and then create make more of that data than the individual data stores. And so the idea is to create a single view that you can then use in your different applications. You can use it to decide what to do as an organization to target people better for marketing, to to create personalized experiences for them on your website. Because we know that creating uh, a better customer experience, it creates uh, a happier customer, creates more sales. And that's that's really what it's about from my understanding about customer data platform. It's about understanding our customers better so we can serve them better and serve them in the way they want to be served with the messaging that they want. And I'm all about the customer experience. Yeah, but wasn't this what Dynamics 365 for uh, or sales was supposed to do? I mean, it was sold at least before with this, okay, get your 360 view of your customer in Dynamics sales. Yeah, I mean, that, that's really the CRM view of the world. The CRM, I think this has been a challenge because originally we had, if I go back a long time ago, uh, pre-CRM systems before they invented them, we had our, we had our, Basically, systems of record. We said, this is our customer and this is what we know about. And pre-CRM times, we had maybe some call center systems, maybe some ERP systems. Then CRM came along. We were, oh, we get that's be our system of record, which was fine in the pre-internet era, before the pre-e-commerce era, where you just had people phoning and emailing. And CRM could be the source, that single view of the customer, everything you did with them. We'd see this interactions for sales. We had a bit of email. We had our phone calls captured. We had those sort of interactions. But nowadays, our customers are using multiple channels, multiple systems. Uh, they're using the website more, mobile devices. Your, your bits of software are starting to capture data about you. If you're developing solutions, you're including telemetry in them if you're doing it well, or you, if you're building mobile apps, you've got data coming from so many different places. So... CRM systems can't collate that data. They're not, they're not designed to handle that volume of data. So the customer data platform is about bringing everything together from all your different sources, from your marketing activities, from web web analytics. Your CRM system is still an incredibly view, important part of that. But if you say a retail organization, you've got your point of sale software. Uh, if you've got manufacturing, you may have some service information coming. And I mean, I go back, actually, I, I, actually it brings me back to something about 15, 16 years ago, we tried to do this, get a single view of your customer. And even we, the idea was to try to understand where the customer value was. Who are the most profitable customers? And the trouble is, if you ask an organization who are their most profitable customers are, they won't really know. They'll say, oh, it's the one who does the most business with us. Oh, yeah, they've got the biggest revenue. But you need to look at a lot of different things. You need to look at, okay, what's the cost of sale? How many phone calls did you make? How many times did the salesperson go visit? What discounts did you give? How did they pay, how, how quickly did they pay? How many support calls did they raise? 
If you actually want to truly understand who your profitable customers are, it's not the obvious ones. It's the the most profitable customers, the customers you just reorder from you. They don't they don't give you hassle. They don't ask for discounts. They're not on to support all the time. They're not asking for, oh, can I be taken uh, on this trip? Yeah. Uh, and uh, we used to we used to we used to, we did some exercise. There's a really good um, thing. There's a group of academics called Kitzler and Gleaves. They did the thing called the whale curve, and they did it. And they they did a lot of analysis of that. This was 15 years ago. And saying the most the 20 percent of your customers are the most profitable. You get 80 percent of your profit from 20 percent of your customers, and it's still true. And probably it's even more than that true. Then there's a large group who are just on the cusp of being profitable or not. And then you've got a really long tail of unprofitable customers. But it's really hard to identify those. So if you can get all your data together, and I think it's realistic to do that now, we can start really understanding where who are our profitable customers, who are our customers who are loyal, who are our customers who are likely to walk, uh, churn, and, and uh, maybe move on to something else. Who's, our, who's just using us for, on price rather than on value? I could talk about this all day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get it's it. Been a- but it's least, at least to my point, if the customers say it's the one that buys the most, at least it is at least better than the customer who says, oh, well, it's everyone who are our best customers because oh, yeah. then you don't have a single clue. Yeah, but a lot of companies think the com- companies that buy the... I've seen this a lot of times where companies, they, they do a lot. And one of my customers I worked with a couple of years ago, they had a real difficulty in their previous system. They couldn't see this. Uh, there was, their finance director was pretty sure their biggest customer was not making them any money. But he didn't have the, he didn't have the that data to hand. Uh, but there was an issue that the, the managing director, he'd originally sold this customer. It was about 30% of their income. I actually yeah. reckon they lost money on oh. the deals. They, it was costing them, it was marginally um, profitable. or marginally, It was marginal. Uh, but what they didn't have the data. Once we put, we actually put a new system, we actually had that field service, marketing, uh, sales, and business central. We put all that in. They could actually, we put a business central, sorry, a Power BI dashboard to show all the data. And we could see it. If I'd actually had customer insights, this was a couple of years ago, if I had customer insights, I could have probably done that even quicker to show that actually this is where they were getting their best best revenue from. This is the sort of work they were doing brings in their best revenue, the, the most profitable work. All right. So we talked about a lot of sort of data parts that we can get data from, but is yeah. this like the connections that we can use from other parts of the Power Platform? No, Customer Insights has its own data ingestion connectors. It doesn't right. use those connectors. It has its All own. Right. So that's interesting or unfortunate. It's it's pros and cons, I think. All right, uh, because it's pro- designed it's designed for a different thing. The connectors in Power Apps and Power Automate are really for doing small little atomic transactions, whereas we want to get lots and lots of data, potentially millions of records of data. Yeah. So we need to connect to those data sources and bring that data in and do quite a lot of transformation on it. And we need it to be quick. Yeah. So there are not a lot of triggers on this one, but there might be like the action you can perform is mostly just bulk things. Yes. Well, what you do is you set up some data ingestion paths. You set up your data sources. I mean, there is still Power Automate is in there. We can actually trigger things within Power Automate, both in and out. Uh, but typically, it's we're going to go get data. It's in a similar way to Power BI, you go get a, a large amount of data in. Power BI has dis- different connectors to Power Apps and Power Automate. Yeah. Uh, it's about getting that. And it's really just using 
again, a lot of the same thing, the direct query that you get in Power Query. We have Power Query to get the data in. So we have the same data capabilities for getting transforming data that you would do if you did Power Query and Power BI. So it sounds like it's built on Power with BI with this data import part that you have on Power BI. So it sounds similar to that. It's, it's leveraging some of that technology. Uh, essentially, it's data flows. All right. It's Okay, it's about, there are some similarities about how you process the data and get it in. But once you've got it in the data, you build something different. Like in Power BI, you build a data set out of all your data. Here we're going to go and try and create an individual customer profile out of all that data. Yeah. So, uh, yes, if you know Power Query, uh, that's great because Power Query for me is a great tool. We've got it in Dataverse as well for importing data. It's mainly been used in Power BI. So we can use Power BI. It also has some other direct connectors. Like, for instance, it natively understands Dynamics and Dataverse. It understands, yeah. uh, I'm trying to think what else it understands natively. There are a number of native connectors. Uh, Google Analytics, it understands, for instance. You can pull data from there. Uh, and a number of other data sources. All the ERP parts of uh, Dynamics? Some of them. I think it's got, uh, I'm not sure what it's got on the ERP side. It hasn't got Business Central. Uh, and I'm not sure if we've got, I think it has some supply chain management and commerce. I think yeah. I think if you look at where uh, a lot of the initial successes for customer insights has been in retail. All right, uh, so pulling data from commerce, from marketing, from dynamic sales, from point of sale systems, from e-commerce websites and pulling so all that So it's mostly together. business to consumer than these customer insights where the volume of customers are large. I think it depends on what sort of organization you are. I still think it has to use business to business as well, but I would say yes, business to consumers probably and retail or large large high volume customers is really where you're going to be targeted at. Yeah. So your public sector organizations as well, where they have to deal with lots and lots of citizens and get they get lots of different interactions over different systems. Yeah. So what do you want to gain with using customer insights and this audience insights here then? Yeah. So if we look at what you're trying to do, you're trying to create out of all these different variety of data sources, a single view of, well, you're trying to create a single customer profile with everything that they do. So we go through the, the main process or the initial process is to connect to your data source and ingest the data. So we have a data ingestion is one of our primary features where we connect to data sources. We then match emerge our data so we map we have to map it so we have to map the, the data calls we try and identify what's the unique pieces of data from each of these data sources that identify a customer so if like you have a customer number that's really good to have in all of the system because then yeah, it's you're, really you're easy like to, to just have, say yeah, but you're not like to have the same id in each one so you have to figure out how to do that yeah. ideally email address customer numbers maybe addresses yeah. and it uses intelligent matching Okay, so you don't have to specifically set it out. You, you do the rules and it, you do a whole series of rules on how to match the records. So that's number one. But if you have something like that, then it's fairly obvious to just map the data together, but it can yeah. do more advanced matching than just Yes, there's, there's lots key. of rules. Yeah. There's lots of rules in there. So you can specify how close to match. And I was actually talking today about, in you get this in Denmark. Denmark's really bad for matching on names. Yeah. There are so many Hans Peter Christiansons. There's literally <laughs> hundreds of thousands of them. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, and some people don't appreciate that. It, it's uh, name match. Oh, you're matching first and last name. That doesn't work in every country. No, no, that's true. Um, and I mean, uh, emails could be. Pro pro uh, e emails is a good one. Yes, emails yeah. is always good. 
but it uh, could it be like, in trouble because they they can have family emails. Yeah, it could be to multiple yeah. people. I mean, yeah. it could happen. Yeah. That is, we were, we were discussing this today on marketing. What happens when people share email addresses? How do you handle it? And it's a common issue. Uh, take things like postal codes. In in a, in the UK, the postal code represents about 12 premises. Yeah. I don't know what it means like where you are. We, it's it's very, very different. In the UK, postal codes are really good for identifying people. Elsewhere yeah. in the world, they're not. <laughs> I'm, I, I'm not sure how big they are here, but they're. I think they're quite small. And they change all the time because sometimes you have to split them. Sometimes there's new parts being built that they have to be assigned new postal addresses. So, yeah. But in Denmark, they're five digits. Again, let's go back to Denmark, five digits. And they cover quite a wide area. They can cover several villages or small towns. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah so it's hard to match data. So it's a common problem. So you're able to build rules and to match the records. Then what you have to do is you have to match, you have to classify the fields. Is this, a, is this a date? Is this a product number? Is this an age? Is this a date of birth from all your different systems? Because the different systems will mail, like for instance, you may have two out of your four data sources having date of birth. Which one should I use in preference? Ah, so yeah. you have to do that mapping exercise as well. Uh, and again, you can put rules in. You could have rules that concatenate fields and do other manipulations on that. And then finally, you do the merge. Which, which runs through and, and does the processing, say, I effectively trying to create an individual customer profile containing all the data. So you get Julian Sharp. He's got his data from, he's, I can see what he's bought on the website. I can see what interactions he's done on the telephone with the complaints he may have raised on our customer service system. Maybe we see what emails are sent through marketing. We get a single view of all of those interactions from that. And then we start from that we can then start building extra information on it. Like we can start scoring that customer using all that information. Whereas in the past, if you look at sales insights, it scores the opportunity to lead, but only on the information within sales, which is really only a tiny part of the story. Yeah, like clicks, open, things like that. Yeah, yeah so so they in, in insights or marketing or sales, they just, oh, well, has he clicked the emails that we send? Has he opened them? Yeah. Has he forwarded them to someone? Things like that. Yeah. But here you can say, did he buy something? Did he, yeah, yeah go yeah, to other parts? To yeah. You can get to understand if you pull the thing, yes, it may have clicked on an email, but it then goes to the website, separate system, where we can actually track their orders. And then through customer insights, essentially we can bring that together. Yeah. And that's particularly but what I've talked about so far is audience insights. Where yeah. we're understanding who our customer audience is, their properties, and everything else. But we just identified like one customer now, but then there's like segments where we can identify groups of customers, right? Yes. So, yeah. So, again, you've got some quite complex ways of creating segments. So, similar to marketing, you can create, you create a sort of profile. You can do a simple, this attribute, everybody who's, bought over a certain amount a month in the last six months of this type of product. I can do that sort of, okay. So create a list of customers, effectively a list of contacts. So when I say customer here, we're really talking about contacts. All right. Yeah. So people, uh, so I create segments of people and then we can use those segments. We can export those segments into other products. We can push them into dynamics marketing. So I can reuse these segments in Dynamics marketing. So I can start them on a customer journey. I can use them in other marketing tools. So market and other marketing products can take this data. So it's not, you're not restricted to dynamics. In fact, you don't need dynamics at all to use 
uh, customer insights. Okay, so this is a standalone SKU that you can buy without actually having any f- any other Dynamics related products. Yes, yes, but I think it goes well. It goes really well with Dynamics marketing. It integrates really tightly with that. Uh, you can create some really good segments. Yeah, it, it would the, be a shame otherwise, right? If it doesn't fit with sales or marketing. Yeah, yeah. yeah so your two of your main data sources, your sales system and your marketing system, they're two of the native uh, dynamic sales, dynamics marketing. But we can also get information from Mailchimp. I think uh, there are other uh, Google Analytics and a number of other sources of data. Do you mention here it just works with contacts? Is this because it's sort of comes from this, oh, you want to market to an individual? There's always an individual who buys from an individual. So you don't really aggregate this to an account view, an organization that is. You could do because you've got the company name, so you could you could aggregate if you wanted to a company to so find all the you can you can do that as well. Yes, all right. in dynamics so, marketing we do that. I was actually talking about say you could do firmographic marketing where you say find me all the people and market. Be still essentially you're still marketing to individuals within an organization. Yeah, so you want to try to avoid info at some address where oh, yeah. you have segments or marketing towards that. You really want to have the contacts themselves. So yeah. you find someone that's that you know who it is. Who's interested. All right. So it doesn't sound like this is based on Dataverse, really, right? So you no. can't really use external toolbox to connect to the data source that you have in Customer Insights to look at it. Okay. So that's your data lake. It's a data lake. All right. It's a data lake. Yeah. Uh, so it means data lake just means data lakes are just uh, Azure storage, which is it's a hierarchical storage structure. It actually uses common data model folders underneath, so CDM folders. So in actual fact, the data will be st- uh, if you don't if you know know anything about CDM, uh, the data stored in CSV files with little JSON files describing the structure of that. Uh, that's how it works. Uh, and you've got two choices with Customer Insights. You can either use the data lake that, that Microsoft provides which means you can't see it, or you can bring your own data lake. We talk about bring your own lake, where you have to provision cool. it in Azure. <laughs> bring your own lake. I love, I love saying that, bring your own yeah. lake. <laughs> uh, you, can, you, can, you can set up your own Azure storage, uh, Azure data lake, and use that when you configure it. And you just have to give it the SAS connection string, and it'll use that instead. But then you're paying for the data storage extra, and you're paying for the ingress and egress. Egress. Yeah. All right, but that means that then you can actually look at the data from other parts if you do want something really special with the oh, yeah. outcome of customer insights, then you could do that as well. I mean, you could also export the data to Data Lake. So there's a load of imports as exports as well. All so right. You can export the data. So what can I export to? Oh, crikey, the long list. I mean, Dot Digital, which I've used before, Constant Contact, uh, Azure Synapse. You just dump it into a data lake as well. So you can dump it into your own data lake and analyze it. But it sounds like customer insights could be valuable if you sort of go through, okay, you have the sales, that's in dynamic sales, and then you point that into customer insights. Can you then sort of frame that into an account form in dynamic sales? Yes. Yeah, there's a solution you can install which effectively shows you the data for your contacts. 
in sales. So it, it surfaces the data. And I think that's available in a number of the different Dynamics apps. I think it's available in marketing, sales, uh, what else is, uh, marketing, sales, definitely. I'm not sure about, I think you'll be able to see it in customer service as well, even though it doesn't say it explicitly. I did see talk of maybe, but what I would do, if I, if I need to put in anything else, I can always put it in a power app. I can always <laughs> go and create a power app and connect and do something with it because I can get the data out into storage. There's always a way, yes, we've got power apps. Let's have a look at this. So there's yeah. a connector in power app canvas there app. So you can, yeah, so you can look at the customer insights data in that power app. So that's really nice. Yeah, there's a customer card added. So there's a customer card added that allows you to view sales and customer service. Actually, the export options for marketing and sales actually create uh, segments and marketing lists. And then we've also got another thing which, which services the customer profile. We've got, we, can use it, we can do Power Apps, Power Automate, and Power BI now quite tightly inside of it. So we can do a Power BI reporting. A lot of this is still in preview. Virtually everything's in preview right now. Huh. You go but look I, through it, it's preview, preview, preview. But customer insights it, itself isn't in preview now, right? Yeah. Because that's yeah. out of preview and then that's the audience inside of this customer insights yeah so, yeah so audience insights is out of preview but a lot of the individual features within it are still within preview all right so i just mentioned the card showing the card which shows the profile in sales that's in preview all right it's been in preview a long time um so how long uh, has this customer insights been out then in general uh, availability i think yeah i started looking at it a year and a half ago i think it was still in preview then but I'm, I'm not sure when it actually was released, released. Uh, GUN, it was GA. Uh, and Engagement Insights is in preview. Yes. Still. So, so we might come to that before the time runs out, but yeah, let's yeah. see. Because we haven't gone through like the top three features here. So the oh, no, last yeah. one is intelligence and, and reach the data. So yeah. what's this, that this, about? This is where I think it gets really interesting. Uh, there is some inbuilt machine learning models in the data. There's three in particular right now. There's more to be added. So it calculates uh, the customer churn rate. So what's your prediction of your customer leaving you? Uh, and it'll do that. So when you, so what happens is you'll do regular data ingestion and you can set the refresh schedule. So often it refreshes the data. When it creates the, goes through that match, uh, merge, op, so map, match and merge option, it'll then apply, enrich the data. And there's a couple of different things it does. We've got some inbuilt models. Customer churn, customer lifetime value, and product recommendations. So it calculates, oh. okay, what product should we recommend to this customer? So those three models enhance the data. We've also got, that's not available everywhere yet, is enhancing data from third-party data sources like Experian. Huh, yeah. Uh, you have to have your Experian account, lead space, uh, mapping from here technologies. It can enhance addresses. It can understand which brands and interests you have. Okay. So, so there's there's two there's two sorts of there's enriching, which is bringing data from external sources onto that, and then there's intelligence where we, we're using AI models to tell us some extra things and get some extra predictions that we can use, yeah. and we can use both of those in our customer profile and in our segments. So does it mean that you have to sort of train the data uh, your the models nope. on on your data? They, 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 you just select them. What you have to do is you say, I want to run the customer lifetime value uh, model and you have to select which field you want. So you need to, there are certain requirements. Each model has different requirements, but you'll need to understand what the what the activities are, the interactions, what the timestamp fields, what the amount field is. So you need to tell it a little bit about your data and then it just works. It's really exciting. 
is you can bring your own model. So as well as bring your own layer, we have bring your own model. And this is where my interest in AI does. I've just been doing some, I actually tried this. I was actually doing an AI model in Azure Machine Learning. And I thought, can I use this in Customer Insights? And I could. I just had to import that model in. And I'm still, I still have to pay for the, I set up a container. I set up an Azure Kubernetes cluster to go run my model. But I was able to, to retrain use it. To have to build, sorry, I did it in Azure Machine Learning. I had to go get data. I had to train my model. Yeah. So go through the normal machine learning stuff you do in Azure. Uh, build, train, test my model, evaluate my model, which is a big size. But to use that model once I'd built it was trivial. Yeah. It was literally select the workspace, select the model, and then you then say, I want to, to calculate this every time you refresh my data. I can't remember. I was doing some prediction on, uh, I can't remember what it was there. I was trying to predict, um, or do some sort of prediction on value of a customer. I wasn't doing custom lifetime value. I was trying to predict something else. And I was just had some data and I was trying it. So you can bring your own machine learning. And so again, what it means as a data person, the person who does the customer insights modeling doesn't need to be a data scientist. If they've got somebody else who builds a machine learning model, they can just consume it. Yeah, but it means that you have to know your data well enough yeah. so you know oh, how think... to set this up. Because yeah. if you don't really know your data, then you're in big trouble. Because then if you just pick something like randomly, yeah. then it's oh, yeah. not going to be good insights. Yeah, but I think this. I, okay, I think the person who does this to map to do the mapping and the matching, you need to understand your data. This yeah. is a data junkies tool. This is, and it's interesting. I've worked with a lot of marketing organisations, and marketing there are in marketing organisations there are a lot of people who delve into their data. They're constantly pouring over the data, figuring out how to get at their data. That they're often doing a lot of this manually. They're getting data in different places and trying to create single sets of data. So they know their data. Uh, it's very different from your CRM world. I will say, if you're a CRM person, uh, it's just quite, CRM data is quite simple. You really have to get, a, yeah, you have to get a feel for the data. I always say, do you understand what your data is? What the what the potential values are? Oh, do these match? I've got two different things. Are they the same thing or aren't they? They may be called the same, but they may yeah. be something completely different. So you're you're totally right there. It, you need to know your data. Yeah, yeah, that's that's important here, but. If we look at the type of customers who's using this customer insights, audience insights, who who would you say? Is it mostly enterprise, big customers of yours, or would you say it's smaller ones? Okay, right now it's big enterprise customers. Okay, I, I've been, I was doing some work with a very large international transport company, and they want to use this. They currently do a customer churn prediction. And they currently take it is from like 17 different data sources. They get their Oof. information through this calculation. It takes them a huge amount of effort. Yeah. Literally huge. Um, I would, they want, they're looking to do it in this, bring the data in and use the inbuilt customer churn model to do that. And then it's because they're using dynamic sales. They're using dynamic, dynamics marketing. So they're using those resources, but they've got a load of other systems. I mean, they're a big multinational. However, would you say that it's enterprise because of the pricing for dynamics or would you say it's enterprise because you have to have a certain amount of data in order for this to work? I think it's where you've got complexity. I think it's not restricted to enterprise companies. I, I know some smaller companies like the project I worked on a couple of years ago. They, they, they're not a big organization, but they could easily use this. I, any company that's got data sources, that, even like I've got another one, uh, the training company I work for, uh, do a lot of work. They're small. I mean, they're probably 50, less than 50 employees. 
But I look at the number of different data sources they have because they, they do a lot of marketing. They're using Google Analytics. They're using LinkedIn, for LinkedIn Campaign Manager. They're using uh, Dynamics, using Business Central. They've got a number. Of, uh, they've got their website, which is a com- very complex website. They've also got a training uh, management system with all the courses. So people doing online courses and tracking that. Uh, we're actually building API. I'm actually, I'm actually using the custom API in Dataverse to allow them to in- extract data from it. Um, but their, their data story is complex. And I think they've always been a bit of a leader. Uh, we started the digital transformation with them four years ago. and They're now a completely different company than they were. They're now getting into this. I want to get my data together now. I want to, I've got these different things. They've been using Power BI to date, really, to get an overview. But I really want to bring this together, uh, start using all the different things to create. I, I think it'll help them understand who their customers are, who's buying, who's... Uh, yeah, so it's, it's anybody who's got multiple data sources. So perhaps it's more connected to how mature you are in your digital transformation, how digital maturity level you are. Like if you just started this and you just have one, then perhaps, well, you have all the data there that you have. So this Mm -hmm. doesn't really help you that much then. I I think it could. I can think of how we can jumpstart it it, because it can get data from so many different places. What you might be able to do is create that single picture of your customers rather than have to reorganize lots of different systems. All right. You can jump. I think it could accelerate and allow you to do what we call a quantum leap over. (laughs) Quantum leap. I I like that. I like like that. I love the program quantum leap. That was years ago. Yeah. Yes, because it's it's not that difficult to connect to the data sources when you look at what's there and maybe tell you something about your customers and then start putting that to drive the rest of your business. I know the the, the digital transformation journey is hard. I mean, we've been through this, this going to be four or five years now, and it's t- changed tremendously over those four years, especially with COVID. And the, the company I did a big project for just ended at the end of, I think it went live November 2019. They would not be here right now if we hadn't put that system in because COVID would have killed them. Yeah. Uh, so they would, I, they would, they could easily make use of it. So yes, I, th- I think it's not restricted. I don't think, it, I think it's, it's hit the enterprise because when they've got lots of complexity, like this situation where they've got what well, they can do it, but it's difficult. But I think any organization, as long as you've got more than a couple of data sources is if you've only got is dynamics and that's it, it's not really going to give you very much. No. But then if you have the insights point, already there. So yeah. who would you say, do you train on this then? Is it just the data junkers? Um, well, I think this is uh, what's interesting. Who does this? Yeah. Uh, who's the role of this? And there will be people within an organization who do this. They're probably under marketing or they've got maybe a data hat on. They might be DVA. They're people who are used to manipulating data. Probably they may be doing it in Power BI now because people use the tools they have. Yeah. Uh, they might be writing queries, um, SQL queries. And I, I know when I was, I helped set up the UK Ombudsman a long, long time ago. He's advising. They had a team of about six people who just did, I call, they were called business intelligence team, but they did reports. But they could, eat, they, those would be the people who did this because they spent their lives immersed in data. Yeah. I mean, if you're a data junkie, then this is definitely for you, but there could yeah. be other ones that are interesting as long as you're interested in insights into your data about yeah, your I mean, customers the, of course 
Um, so it's asking questions about your data. It's, it's turning those questions into something that you can really, and actually then telling you maybe something else and enhancing that data to bring it. I, I'll give you another story. Whereas at the Ombudsman, we used to have to enhance our data for reporting. What I meant by that is we had to enhance our data with socio-demographic data because we didn't collect what the ages of the people complaining was or what their sex or anything else, but the government wanted us to report on that. So we went and got a set of data called ACORN data. ACORN data in the UK is essentially by postcode area, which is quite a small area in the UK, what the socioeconomic class and a lot of other properties. So we were able to, we were able to combine that data with our complaint data to give an okay who, what sort of people were complaining, what ages, yeah. what socioeconomic groups. I'd have loved to. We did that by hand. Oh my god! Yeah, it was. Well, we did it. We just put it. We just loaded the data up and run some queries. We did. We built a data warehouse. Excel like. Yeah. It was. It was a, a lot of work. I could have just done this in here. And in fact, I could have probably just used the Experian or Lead Space data that we've got signed up for that, or here Technologies data, yeah. and brought that in and enhanced that data. So. Actually, I think it opens it up for the non-data junkies. As long as you have a good feeling for what you want, you do not need to be, you don't, you don't need to write the queries. It is a click and point interface and you can try it and see what comes out. So what does your customer use it for? What feature sets are most interesting? So right now, they're just trying to get a single view of that customer to collate the idea. And I said the one I've worked with so far, they were trying to do the customer lifetime value and customer churn rate. For them, that was understanding if this customer is at risk. Yeah. And that's one of the out-of-the-box features. So what would you say are the most common data sources that your customers have connected it to? I'd say dynamic sales, primarily. That's the number one. Um, what was the other main one? They had an order-based system. So they the, they had essentially everybody who placed orders. So it's not their ERP system. They had another system. It's another bespoke system. So the SQL database from that was their other main source. And then we had some other little data sources, which were more about products and product mixing, product mixers and other stuff like that. Uh, some ge- ge- geography data as well. We needed to understand what the territories were. So I think we did that in a spreadsheet, actually. So you, you just suddenly realized that your territories are way off and you have like five territories that are like tiny. Yeah. And then you're like, well, we have this other territory that's just comprised of 80% of eighty <laughs> percent of, yeah. our, of our valued customers. And like, yeah. yeah. Have you seen any unexpected insights from this? Like where, where customers think... They, they know some things and they turn out just not to be so? I've not seen that yet. Um, but then again, we, I think like the people using it right now, they're still at the early stages trying to figure out. And, and there's so much coming. I mean, even in the last six months, it's come on so much like these inbuilt AI models are new. I think there still might even be marked in preview. Uh, I know that we had customer churn and customer lifetime value is a very recent add-on and product recommendations is very recently added on. So I don't think they've really explored it. Uh, there's just so, to be honest, it's so hard just getting that data unification process go, going. And then maybe let's add another data source in. Let's get that. And I, that's the way I do it. I do it incrementally. Get one set, then I'd bring a new set and match that. And the more data sets you get in, the bigger the problem. Is. Yeah. So I think, I think I haven't seen anything yet, though I'm hopeful for they will. They'll actually be able to get the information faster and to salespeople. I mean, it's really good to get your sort of view of your world straight. So if you think that something is in a certain way and it just ain't so, 
that's yeah. a really good day. Yeah, I, I think I've always, I said people, people have, I always say people's gut feelings about customer data is wrong. They have to see it. Uh, as I say, remember, people say, who are your most profitable customers? The ones that people say are not the most profitable. It's somebody else who's yeah. flying under the radar. Yeah, yeah, that's a good one. That's a good one. Um, all right, then. Should we go into engagement insights now? I think we have like 10 more minutes. Yeah. Is it is it okay, worth so- it? Yeah, well, uh, is it? Uh, that's a good question about engagement insights. Engagement insights is about your website. It's your interactions. It's your website visitors. It's your website. What people do on the website. So it's so right now, it doesn't do a great deal. It does some capture of what you do. So it's captures... not that, it's not like social engagement that we use to listen to what do people talk oh. about us on like social media. It's not that. No, no, no. It's primarily about page views, visits, the customer journey in terms of the visit journey. Which okay. pages do they go through? Uh, so it's really about web web interaction. Yeah, that's what it is. And to be able to track that, they either have to log on to something so you know it's them. Or sort of come from somewhere where you know it's them. So you send them some email, they click a link, yeah. then you know who they are. Yeah, this this is. I really haven't tried it. It's about it's about web behaviors on your website. Also, mobile. You can use it for mobile apps, and it sort of touches into telemetry on products as well. So it's sort of overlapping with product insights. So product insights, another Microsoft product, very much aimed at capturing telemetry. There's a bit of overlap in there. So the idea is you take this engagement insights get combined with the audience insights to enhance that data. Okay. But then again, it overlaps with things like Google Analytics because it doesn't do the, how did they get to my page? No. How did they get to my website? What was search terms? That that it doesn't do right now. Um, but it's all about creating that personalized experience. So getting, I think the vision is, I, I don't know this, but I suspect what the vision is to understand what people are doing in the engagement insights, then create a personalized experience in the website based off a combination of your engagement insights and your audience insights to create customized pages for you. This is what things like Adobe marketing, Adobe um, do this campaign. really well. Yeah. Well, campaign, well, they've got Adobe campaign manager, but one of the, there's a number of different modules in the Adobe marketing suite. Yeah. I can't remember which one it is, but they create a very highly personalized experience for you. So two different people get a very different, uh, sets of information very different you can even look and feel you can personalize the experience for everybody that's what they're going to get to i think but I, i'm i to be honest i struggle a bit with engagement insights because right now you just set it up and it gives some reports all right so it's early day it's just preview if we want to know what's happening on your sort of your customer on on your website then Go try it. Yeah, I mean, it does have some other things. Like, you can, you can create events. So, what happens if somebody does something on the website that we can create custom events? Like, maybe that's maybe somebody checking out a, a cart. That could be an event which we could hook into and do things from. So, it allows that. But I mean, it's more interesting if someone abandons a cart, right? Yes, exactly. So, yeah, it might get abandoned carts as well. And it does actually have a lot of signals from where they come from, uh, referrers, locations. Okay, but I, I really haven't done that much on it. Like- it tries to understand that whole journey about how you turn out. One of the things Microsoft does very well is they've used their own experience. Microsoft runs one of the biggest e-commerce sites in the world. If you, I don't know if you're aware about that. No, I didn't know it was uh, that you, big. Oh, you look at the Xbox site. Yeah. It's a huge site. 
Xbox generates huge amounts of data. Uh, things like product insights and fraud prevention, which are two of the AI products in Dynamics, they came from Microsoft's own experience running their own systems. Effectively, they just productized what they did. Okay, and I think... Uh, Excellent sort of dog fooding. Yeah, well, no, well, they didn't dog food it. They said, we built this. Let's create a product out of it. Let's use what we've got and create a product yeah. out because they built the AR models for fraud protection. They built the models for understanding uh, how customers worked in that. So so they did that. And I think what they've done is they've used some of this, uh, again, that has come from what they've done on their own site. Yeah, but they couldn't have done it if they sort of used SAP as their ERP. But that, well, Microsoft then... do use SAP as their ERP, unfortunately. <laughs> 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 but, well... Then, then this fraud protection is like built on. Well, you, uh, I don't know. It, it was built off the credit card fraud for their e-commerce yeah. site. I mean, you think about how you think about the amount of potential because you've got people buying Xbox uh, cards with the points. Yeah. Those are tradable, so they're a massive. You've got to worry about okay, I'm getting. There was a big issue: people storing credit cards, then buying Xbox points, then selling the cards. That's a really good way of laundering money. Ah, of course. So they had to manage that. Coming up with new ways to laundry money all the time. So, yeah. Yes. So, you think about the amount of money that gets spent through Xbox, through the Microsoft Store, uh, even just e-commerce and things like, uh, I've got Office 365 Personal, which is, what, £30 a year. I've got that for my personal um, uh, use of Office. Lots of Microsoft is still a huge consumer organization. Yeah. So if I want to know more about customer insights, where do I go? Well, uh, first of all, you just go to dynamics.microsoft.com slash customer data platform. And actually, I haven't talked about this yet. Customer data platform in, uh, they use the term customer data platform, which is a uh, a catch-all. It's actually an industry term. It's not a Microsoft term. And so the idea of customer data platform is probably the, the current in vogue term like serum was 20 years ago everybody wanted a crm system i remember i remember i was asking one customer why do you why are you having a crm system well because my competitors do yeah <laughs> it was it was like that a customer data platform is the new in vogue thing and it's about creating this centralized view of your customer microsoft custom data platform consists of two products right now as well as customer insights it's also customer voice which is the feedback and survey tool which came out of Forms Pro. So you have Microsoft Forms for simple forms. If you want to do anything more complex and capture more feedback, uh, customer voice, which is underneath the Dynamics 365 banner, but again can be purchased separately, uh, is a tool for that. So I, I think customer insights and customer voice to, between them, that's Microsoft's current customer data platform offering. So if you go to dynamics.microsoft.com slash customer data platform, uh, you will find information. There's also Microsoft Docs, so docs.microsoft.com, then go to Dynamics, and then you'll see Customer Insights. And under there, you see Audience Insights and... Um, engagement Insights. Engagement Insights, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't really pay a lot of attention to it right now. Too many insights. And, and there is an awful lot of learning. There's a lot of uh, self-learning on Microsoft Learn. So if you don't know what Microsoft Learn is, it's Microsoft's free online training. So you go aka.ms slash learn. Uh, will you be able to post links after this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. of course. Yeah, it so will be all find in the, the show notes. After, yeah, all in the show notes. You'll find these links. Go to yeah. uh, 
Microsoft Learn. I've actually put what's together, what's called a collection. Nice. So you can go into Microsoft Learn and select different learning paths and modules and put them together in your own collection. Now, I've done one of these for customer insights. So Julian's so, collection then on yeah, Learn for just collection. customer insights. Yeah, it saves you. Yeah, because if you just search for customer insights, you only find one thing, but it's actually some, there are some other nice modules in other bits. So I pulled those out. Nice one. And, and the then ne- you have your own trial instructions. Right, so you can set up a trial for customer insights. And actually, when you set up a trial, it comes with, uh, and I've got the instructions for how to set it up, uh, but you can just go for a trial. And you get a couple of options with the trial. The first is you can select one of a number of industries. So you can select retail. And you've got a pre-populated set of data. So the retail has some POS data, some website data and other things. And it's the great thing, though, is all the data perfectly matches. <laughs> of course. Because yeah, so it's, it's perfect data. Data. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but it's a lot of it to give you some yeah. idea. Um, right. But you can also bring your own data in, in the trial. You can play with it uh, for a little while before you actually pay for it. So I've got the trial instructions, and not just trial instructions for customer insights, but also for the whole dynamics and power platform. I've got little step-by-step how to create your own trial. Because if you just go to trials.dynamics.com, that's really aimed at people within a business wanting to add it to their own. Yeah. Whereas you probably want to do, I want to create my own little test trial environment outside. I don't want, I don't want to touch my live production environment. Uh, which but you want it in your own tenant, right? So you yeah, sign yeah. in with your AD account, Azure AD. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, so the trials.dynamics.com, try and just add it to your existing Office 365 dynamic system, yeah. which can be a pain if you just want to try things. You may not have permission to do that. In fact, the people I was talking to today, they're on a worldwide organization. Um, they say to get anything through IT takes six months. Oof. So just, just because start a new trial with a new tenant then, and yeah, that's you, easier. You just do that. You're the you're the administrator of that tenant. Yeah, global you admin. Off it. you go. Yeah. All so right. I'm always a big fan. Um, the only thing about trials, I'll give you a bit of advice. If you ever put in trials, do not put you work for a thousand person company because what happens is it generates a lead in their sales system. Microsoft actually used dynamic sales. You go and do a trial. You say, I work for. Um, uh, ABC corporate yeah. with, with a with ten thousand employees because it asks you the number of employees. You will get calls within like thirty seconds. So <laughs> I always put one. I always put my number of employees at one. Yeah, and I probably get a call. I actually got a call a couple of weeks ago uh, when I started up a trial. Even though I put one, and I put the word training or testing as the company name. I don't put my company name. I will put Julian's training tenant. Yeah, <laughs> and I still get a call that says this is for testing. And they, the salesperson was obviously really annoyed that they made the call. Yeah. What do you do? You try to give them a hint. Yeah. 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 So just don't use a company name. Like, yeah. so don't, sign up, don't sign up with your company email. No. Because what it will do is, it's, oh, I know that. I know that email address. It's already a Microsoft tenant. And it tries to attach it to your Microsoft tenant. So I have a Gmail account or an Outlook.com yeah. account. Just create one of those for trials. Yeah. Yeah. Big hint. So do you have any public speaking scheduled? Uh, I've just actually finished the load. Uh, I spoke at the Power Platform Developer Bootcamp, which was over three weekends. I think I did two. I spoke on uh, PCF 101, how to create a Power Apps component framework, how to get started. Nice. And I did the uh, last weekend, uh, weekend before last, I did the PL400 exam overview. Uh, last weekend, I did 
the thing on the Power Platform Starter Days, which is an, a, a group of people who got together to get new people into the Power Platform. They'll be running it again. The, uh, I just did half an hour on uh, resources that you can get. So how do you, how, where do you go for trials? Where do you yeah. go to? So I did Docs and Microsoft Learn. They're for beginners. In in a couple of weeks' time, I'm speaking at the Power Platform. What is it? No, Dynamics 365 Bootcamp. And I think I'm speaking on AI in 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 the Power Platform. So I think that's what I'm doing. And Customer Insights forms part of that. But actually, what I'm really going to be talking about is building your own, bring your own models into AI Builder, which is... A... Of course. <laughs> Who would you recommend as a future guest on this podcast? Oh, there's a couple of people I think of. There's EY Kalman. Yeah. Uh, uh, if you want, he's, he's very, he's been very active um, on uh, doing a number of different things around dynamics and omnichannel. Yeah. Or Danish. I don't know how to say Danish's surname, but Denise, I reviewed Danish's book on PCF, on Power Component Frameworks. So he's a very good developer. Um, he's, a, he's the author of the PCF builder tool in the XRM toolbox and some other tools. So Denise is uh, an interesting, uh, I think he's got, talk, just talking about PCF and the X, what, how he built his tool and everything else he's been involved with. He, he produces some nice stuff. So he's, he's the one of the main people I follow on PCF. So I, I'm, not, I'm not really a developer. I'm not like you, Mark. I'm not a developer, but I can write code. Yeah. Uh, so I still like writing a bit. I, I like I like to get keep my hand in. So I've written a couple of PCF components, just nice. little things that I write. Okay. I'm on the other side. I, I I can code, but I can do a little bit of the other stuff as well. So <laughs> that, yeah. that, that's nice. All right. So then you have some links to self-promotion where we can just find you if we're looking for you. Yeah. Uh, so I've got a blog, which I've had for a number of years. It's ukcrm.wordpress.com. It goes back to 2005. Oh, Jesus. That's good. It's it's where I started my CRM journey, Dynamic CRM. Uh, it we went through a number of years where it wasn't very busy. <laughs> it's still not massively busy. I'm probably busy on LinkedIn and Twitter. So if so, you want to find something on CRM free, then you can go to there and sort of look for all your old posts then. Yeah, God, there's some really old stuff. A lot of CRM 11, CRM 4 stuff. It's... I, what's interesting now, I think, with dynamics is stuff that was three years stuff from three years ago is out of date. Yeah, and I mean, I'm, I'm thinking about just deleting all the old stuff, just because it is just so wrong. Everything's changed so much. Well, at, at least at least it's dated, so you can see. Yeah. Well, if there are someone still have I don't know 2011 installed on premise, well, it mm -hmm. could be. Slightly, you know, there is there's an amazing amount of on premise CRM out there. I'm still yeah. surprised how much there is. I've been in the cloud because we actually ran our own hosting for Dynamics, we actually run our own hosting platform back in CRM 11 days. We so actually, you, we started, you like virtualized machine and then installed Dynamics on that. Yeah, we actually ran we ran the Splar license, we actually ran it under CRM 4. We had custom, we supported multiple customers on our own hardware. In Hyper V nice. clusters, uh, back in 2010, 2011. So we then Oof. moved to CRM. We actually, and then what happened? Microsoft now they're doing CRM online, so we just thought, yeah, we can't yeah. compete. No. It was actually cheaper to buy the CRM online license than it was for us to buy the SQL, Windows, and CRM Server licenses from Microsoft. So we thought it's pointless of spending running the hardware and everything else. So I haven't done an on-premise system 
since for over 10 years. And I refuse yeah, to your new installation, you mean? Well, any. I wouldn't touch it on. I wouldn't touch it on an existing one. Why should I? I don't know. Wouldn't know what to do. Oh, we still have customers that sort of either hasn't prioritized to move, or for mm. regulatory reasons, just really can't move to cloud yeah. because you have to know where data is stored, or you have to comply with certain. Well, it's sensitive information. Then you have yeah. to know even more about sort of where yeah. is data, how, yeah. And that's yeah, just... Well, Sweden's getting its own data center. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Sweden, Sweden, Sweden data centers come, Norway's getting its own. Even Denmark's getting their own. Yeah. East They're building like crazy now. So, yeah. yeah. Fortunately, so, hopefully we can get something before the end of the year. But yeah, who knows? The, the trouble with the data centers is it always starts with Azure. So you get Azure yeah. first, but not as... Dynamics tend to take, I've seen this happen in Switzerland when Switzerland got it, it took about 12 months from when they first had the data to open to actually Dynamics being available as a region you could select. Nice. So then you know, uh, well, you don't know, but you can guess that from if you're interested and you there's a new data center available in your region, then yeah. wait about a year, then perhaps you will have dynamics in that data center as well. I think it may depend if there's some big customers who yeah, are screaming. Of course, for it, which they were in Switzerland. Yeah, uh, Switzerland's interesting because I, I had an explosion of training requirements in Switzerland before they were they were the classic on premise because of the cloud law in Switzerland. Yeah, you, nothing nothing could be in the cloud. Yeah, at all. Now there's been this massive, well, we can go to the cloud, that's great, because it opens up so many more opportunities. Things like that's... customer insights, you couldn't do unless you're in the cloud. No. Because and that's... you're using the cloud power. Yeah, and a lot of those on-premises customers, they're not just on-premise because they want to, but perhaps they have to, or they haven't yeah. had the time to invest going to the cloud. And this yeah. COVID that happened, I mean, that's a huge accelerator for this. Yeah, it has. And, and I mean, it's just ramped up the online service. I'm just, ho I'm just glad that sort of the cloud hold together and internet just didn't break during yeah, those was, initial was, uh, months. We had a little problem this morning. I was doing Dynamics Marketing. We had a few glitches this morning and it took it... it suddenly came back. It was not good for like a little, about half an hour. We had... That's the only yeah. doubt. But then again, I always say to your customers, if you're on-premise, what's your uptime? You, it's very hard to match the cloud uptime with your on-premise systems. Yeah, it is. Then again, I used to say dynamic CRM server used to was like rock solid. It never used to fail. You just leave it running all day. It never went down, in my experience, CRM server. When yeah. I ran it on-premise. That was a long time ago. <laughs> yeah. But then sort of those backgrounds who, well, the... the the async service didn't work and then the monitor stopped working and then, well, 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 thank you, yeah. Julian Sharp, for your participation in CRM Rocks. <laughs> thank you a lot. I, th I hope you f found it useful. On, and if you haven't had a look at Customer Insights, go, go and do so. Seriously. Yeah. So go look at it, go work with the data ingestion, find out how you can map your data, then yeah. work with the segments, make sure that you get some good segments out of it, and then use the intelligence and enrich the data so you can really find out how the churn is, how find yeah. out more information about your data so it works for you. And... Mm -hmm. 
go take it for a spin. Yeah, uh, it, it's easy to set up and go for a trial. Yeah. It's a bit harder to actually do in reality. Yeah. <laughs> And thanks to your listening. And don't forget, you can subscribe. Just search for CRM Rocks in your favorite podcast player or just go to CRMRocks.com. You can comment there. You can find every show note and you can find everything there. See you next time on CRM Rocks.